a slow meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Eight weeks. Eight weeks, eh? Who needs it, you know? you know, Part part of it is because we're trying to get fit. Part of it's because we've been here, there, and everywhere. Part of it's we've been doing some big life stuff. Some big life stuff, Dave. So, you know, give it to us tight. Give us, you know, give it to us, you know, how you feel in the comments. Throw us some shade. Throw us some, some banter our way. But, yeah. Eight weeks, and uh, we're not even calling it a new season like we normally do. So yeah. yeah, that that was just a long mid-season intermission, and you know, as Josh said, life kind of took its toll on us. Of whether that was training for races or getting engaged, buying houses—not really plural houses, just house in general—it um, was a fiasco of the last eight weeks. But everything was good, and all the busy things that we had in our lives were for good reason. And I think what's good about the break that we had is it, it kind of reinvigorated us and, and brought us back with a little bit more energy. Not really sure where our posting is going to go from here, you know, because we are gearing up closer and closer to championship season. So that mid season break, um, honestly, a bit shocked, Josh, that we're back at it because um, we got a lot of texts and, and uh, DMs about when are we coming back onto the pod and we never really left, um, but life was definitely kind of taking its swing at us. The last, the last uh, straw to break the camel's back was Dave's D two record going down, and Dave was like, "You know what? I need to, I need to have, have a vent somewhere." And I was like, "You know what? Like, I think the podcast could be the move." So today's a, a tough day for Dave. You know that kind of hangover of the losing of the record, and uh, you know that's that's what we're going to chat about. We're going to chat about all that's happened. We created a bunch of content internally for you guys for the last eight weeks, and we we're just going to spit it out to you right now. Yeah, I guess that's where we want to start. I figured we'd start chronological move from March 6th all the way up to now. But yeah, let's just start with last night. Christian Noble going to Oregon Relays, running 336.00 in the 1500 meters. And then an hour later, running 1335 for the 5K. So not only is he showing that he is the class of the field, Division II record holder, but he's also just smacking on people that are going into single events. I mean, Josh, you and I got to witness his double uh, D2 record in Boston where he ran 356.12 in the mile and then double backed and ran 750 in the 3K with an hour span. That was absurd in itself. Yeah, I think this is the hard part is like, you know, doubling is a, is a hard skill to have. Uh, and, you know, for me, D2 versus D1, like, you know, maybe it's a little bit easier to win championship races. So sometimes they're better at doubling because they do it more often. And so, you know, him being able to to double back to back multiple times to get multiple records is just, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it's a skill that I think D2 athletes sometimes have better than D1 athletes. Yeah, certainly. And I think that when you look back at his uh, indoor campaign, because this if this is the first time you, you've heard of Christian Nobles, aka Little Nobs, you should probably kind of find a a sweet spot on his social media and follow him along. Cause he puts his, he puts himself out there. He might be the perfect combination of us too, Josh, you know, he's a division two guy, him and I follow uh, similarities there. But then if you go to his Instagram, man, he's calling shots before he shoots them. He's oh, yeah. going out there saying, I'm about to do this wicked double. I'm about to go after the D2 record. I'm about to do this, about to do that. And typically he gets them, 
You know, he he's a guy that has confidence and has poise to race top division one athletes. I mean, with Reed Brown, he ran 352 in the mile at Boston and then also finished, uh, I think, fourth in the indoor mile, maybe even third in the indoor mile this year. So that competition and that conversation of whether or not division two athletes fit in on the division one scene is becoming more and more apparent when you have athletes like division two uh, Christian nobles. Yeah, I do think it's a pretty prominent year for Division Two. Obviously, you've got World Indoor stuff with the with the four hundred as well. But I think yeah. this is the this is the tough argument. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna play that D one role here, uh, I'll I'll, put, I'll pose you a little question here, Dave. That jump from being a D two superstar to being a professional or on a world stage or even being D one. Do you think that someone like Christian Noble knows how to lose over and over again, like he will when he turns professional? I think that's I think that's tough. Um, and, and I'll actually disassociate that question from Christian, so it's not like I'm coming at him personally. Um, so I'll just speak with myself um, in experience. I was a top dog. I was winning races, and the races I didn't win, I didn't care because I'm like, ah, I'm a D2 guy. I'm racing these D1 guys. You know, when I set the Division II record, it was – I was seventh in a field of mostly collegians and I was okay finishing seventh. I wanted to win. I was going there to win, but the number one priority was the D2 record. And I figured if I win, I'll get the record. So I'll go for the win, settle for the record. Perfect. So for me personally, I don't think I took enough notice at that jump from division two to professional. I mean, like I walked into the scene being a big fish, being a big dog, whatever you want to say, the big cojones, like I was ready to rock and roll. And it was a massive reality check. And it took me honestly up until last year to kind of find my rhythm in the professional scene. I mean, I won my first race as a pro um, in July of 2021, three years after signing a contract. And like, that's not to say that that's how everyone's transition is. But for me personally, like I was getting destroyed in these races, like repeatedly and that was just like kept knocking at my confidence and I was like okay I'm doing the right things I'm working hard I know what's going on but what's happening when you get to these professional levels is if you go through the the kilometer sorry if you go through 1200 meters at 12 or 253 like last last night they went through 1200 meters at 253 and Christian was in the front leading it that's quick that is quick but there's going to be about 10 guys in a pro scene that do that in the same race so it's like you could either be in first at 253 or you could be in 10th at 253. And navigating that last 300 meters at the professional level is insane. And that's where I would say that it takes a lot of patience for, for a Division II athlete to step into the professional scene. I mean, you look at Drew Wendell. I mean, he was a, I think, eight-time national champion for Division II, never won a single or, – or sorry, never set a, uh, a national record for Division II, to my knowledge. But he comes out kind of gets tossed around a little bit in the scene, makes a team, but then it wasn't until 2018 that he got a world indoor silver. And he made world teams and he's done great things. But when you look at the success of Division II athletes at the major scene, it's either they're going to immediately step onto the scene and continue to win. Uh, you can talk about like a Division three athlete like Nick Simmons, or they're going to take time to develop because there's not a lot of D2 athletes that go pro. So it's a very, very small group of people to choose from. I mean, off the top of my head, division two athletes that I know, you have like Katie. Uh, she was from uh, Ashley University, Najet. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I probably should, but she just won Olympic gold in the pole vault. But time and time again, she was getting beat by Sandy and she was either missing teams or barely making teams, barely making the bar. 
but then she just won Olympic gold. So it took her a long time to get into that. You have Trevor Bassett, 400 meter guy. He's indoor right now, world indoor silver. He might be an exception. He might be a rare feat. I mean, if you want to talk about division two, I'm kind of ripping here, but when you talk about division two schools, Ashland University has had Drew Wendell, Trevor Bassett, and Katie all come out of that same university. And a lot of that probably has to come from Judd, the coach that recently just passed away and his mentality. He was a American record holder in the hammer throw or weight throw multiple time Olympian. I mean, like, I think that what's more important for division two athletes to succeed at the professional level or to succeed at even the division two level is having a coach that they can feel grounded enough in to push them forward, to be on either in their university or that next step. So when you look at guys like Christian Noble and the success that he has right now, my biggest hope for him coming from this is to be able to build that as momentum in the professional scene. If he chooses to run professional, because you and I've gone back and forth about your record. I mean, like, how do you feel like you're now number three, you're not even number two anymore. Yeah, I know. And number three is the best number to be, I think. But um, overall, I, the thing that gets me is, you know, you build as you know, if, if Christian Noble was a D one guy, he'd be a nobody like three thirty six, probably would have, wouldn't have got even him the win at Azusa um however he creates his profile as a d2 athlete because you know you maybe go to division two because you're not quite ready to be d1 or you choose sorry you choose to be d2 that's the slogan right i chose division two correct yeah and so you know that means he's developed super well in college to become this amazing athlete but i i do worry and i'm only focused on middle distance here I do worry that there's there's this huge step between D2 and professional that sometimes even just moving to D1 for a year and showing kind of your class a little bit and you don't even need to win, but you need to know like you can navigate through rounds and 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 go through the, the tough times because going through and winning a D2 title or getting a D2 record and then going to USA's for an Olympic trials or world champ world championship trials, like it's night and day. And so that's my worry with division two, division three, uh, NAIA, whatever, JUCO athletes and high school athletes that turn pro because I'm not saying D one's the be all end all of how you make it as a pro. It is kind of the more realistic route that, that people take. However, if you don't put yourself in these situations constantly, like you are in D one, where you're just like pushed to the edge, especially right now for the men, like, you have to run what 350 was it not 356 or 357 to even make yeah NCAA indoors D1 yeah and then you have to go through a couple of rounds for that and now they've got you know re uh, conference regionals nationals uh, again just super difficult and then they they can turn pro but I just worry when it comes to like look at the examples of of the high schools that have come out and signed with Adidas pretty much that's pretty much who they sign with. It's just you worry about the experience that they have of really hard rounds and grueling like uh, seasons uh, like you do have with D1 where you have to always be on. And I think that's why it's much easier for companies to have full faith in an athlete if they go through the D1 system versus the D2 system where, you know, I hope Christian goes professional and I'm sure he will because he's ran times that are good enough, but he's going to lose a lot and he needs to know how to do that. And you know, unless he can figure out how to run low 330s in the next year, then he's going to lose a lot at the 1500. And so he's shown great promise, but I would love to, I would love for him to go D1 and see what happens. Like if he could figure out D1 for a year, I would say that puts his value up massively. 
Yeah. Um, and he doesn't even need to win. Like if he goes to NCAA and comes top three, I think that should add another kind of 25, 30 grand onto his value personally. Yeah. I mean, like there's a few things there. I mean, Christian, I believe is a senior. Um, I'm not sure what his age is and I'm not sure where like he, he lands in the whole conversation for professional scenes. Luckily that's not our job. Um, but what I'll say is the division two, although like, yeah, Christian would, would maybe get beat or is going to have to navigate a field. When you talk about that platform that he's given, I mean, that's the exact platform that I was risen on, you know, that I would have been the sixth fastest division one guy in the 1500 meters by time. Not yeah. sure how it have fared at the championship to be fair, but what I did get used to at division two was winning was all these types of things that develop a champion. And then when I was given a platform to kind of showcase that talent, um, it was awesome. It was great being a division two guy. Like I bet my, I do believe my worth as a division two athlete, um, like my contract was larger than it would have been had I been a division one athlete specifically because of branding and specifically because, because of the platform and the vision that I had as, for myself as a professional athlete. I mean, like when I was negotiating contracts, I did to openly speak with every company saying small school, big dreams. Like that's a big part of me. I'm writing this da, 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 first day of USA's till I sign a contract. I will disclose this con like I, in my small school, big dreams, it talks about when I was touring Nike and I talked to the coaches there. Like I told them in the room, like, this is going to be a part of it. Cause this is a part of my journey. And so when I think about that transition, um, it's tough. And, and I'm only speaking from personal experience at this point, because like, I, I think the naivety of me and being as savvy as a racer, as I was slash am in 2017, when I made the final for USA, it's like, I was the 34th guy in that race. Right. But I was on that high of being a division two guy winning an NCAA championship division two running 339 in the 1500 at Portland track festival, being the last guy in just going there, having some fun. And then I am kicking around Andrew weeding and Clayton Murphy's in my prelim with Sam Prakel and Matthew Sensuitz and all these guys that I drew Hunter was in there. It's just like, I was finally involved with a group of people that I wanted to always identify myself with. But then coming into the professional scene it's very different i mean christian's raced since boston right he ran those two races then he ran at nationals he's probably ran three or four times already outdoor then this he's raced more than we have raced most likely in the last two years yeah you know and so when you get to the professional level i think it's not only how you navigate races or losing it's also how you can handle long periods of blocks keeping that mental fortitude of like i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready because in college, I feel like you race to train, whereas like in the professional scene, you train to race because yeah. options are fewer. Races are more limited. I mean, like you could put your name out there for a race. But you might not know if you're going to get in, even though you have a good time, even though you ran 336. There's my, there might be other guys that have ran faster. You just don't know where a collegiate system is built up around you and your success to be able to race and PR. And so it's very tricky. And I, I think what's great about this too, Josh, is um, I'll kind of read something and we can kind of segue off of this a little bit. Um, like I texted Olivia last night and said D2 records broke and she, she and I were just kind of going back through conversations. And like, this is one of the many reasons why I proposed to her and why I love her so much. And we'll get into that, you know, whole big shindig uh, of it all maybe. Um, but she said, and I thought this was a very good way to put a record. She said, you set the record, you made your mark. You elevated the platform that Division Two feels they are capable. Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, and then all of a sudden, it was broken multiple times. You set the bar higher than it had been before. And that's really all a record is. Like These records are very important for your resume, 
but I don't think necessarily these records should be defining factors of who you are or the success that you have. If you never get a record in the collegiate or high school system, that does not matter, right? You can still work and build and become something bigger and better. And if you see someone, if you're a division two athlete and you see Christian Nobler on 336.00, that does not devalue you maybe statistically, maybe he's ran faster, but that doesn't devalue you as an athlete because what he did is a, he's shown he's the best division two 1500 meter of all time with that time. But what he's also showing is, Hey, I'm a division two athlete. I can run this time. So can you. And if you draw inspiration from that, instead of intimidation, you're going to go a lot further in the sport than if you let that be a limiting factor of his success to yours. So with records, like I'm honestly, I texted you, you texted me this morning and said, sorry, man. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer that that title's lost to my name, like being a Division II record holder in the 15. But I don't want to be defined throughout my running career as just the Division II record holder. And it feels freeing in a way that like I can reinvent myself and I can like this first race of this 5K coming up when you and I are going to battle it out, work together. That's that's a race for me to redefine myself. And this race ever after is for me to redefine myself. So as sad as it is that like that record's gone, I'm gonna I'm going to be vain and say that my record helped him get his record and his record is going to help someone else break his record. So it's cool. I think this is exactly what needs to happen. Records, the whole saying records are meant to be broken. That's kind of a broken record, no pun intended, but I do believe records aren't permanent. I don't think records are meant to be broken. I think that if you can set a record and no one can touch it, that's freaking rad. Like if no one runs faster than 348, Josh, in your indoor mile, dude, that's sick. Right. Someone might, someone probably will, but if no one does, cool. Keep it. Me. I yeah. will. 348 is too slow. Yeah. I think, no, I, I get what you're saying. And, I, and again, like you said, you know, you made peace with, you had that record for a long time. That's a long time for that record to be up there. Longer than your record boy. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when I, when I broke the 33 year old record, whatever it was, like I did see myself as a bit of a pioneer in that situation being like, you know, in this day and age, we should be running faster than they ran 30 years ago. And sometimes it does take that one person to go, you know, I can do this and do it to make everyone riled up to go after it as well. And so, you know, that's the thing is what I think in the first five years of your record being broken, I think is the kind of the most dangerous time for your record to get done because, you know, everyone's pumped. Everyone thinks it's a bit more realistic. If you're looking at a record that's 30, 40, whatever years ago, you're like, ah, oh, maybe they were on drugs or maybe it was hand timing or maybe it was, you know, uh, anything that, that you can make an excuse of why it's impossible to get. But as long as the records keep going, D2 is going to look better. And do you think there's ever going to be a moment where D, D2 record is going to be faster than the D1 record? Uh, I think there's going to be a time where the division, I don't know about that because I think the opportunities come fewer um, at the division two scene, like Christian's from Tennessee. Right. And he had to go all the way out to Oregon to the twilight meet to run 336. Like it's a little bit harder to find these races. And if you really want to get into the politics of it, like it's hard to, for a division two athlete to get into t tier one division one meets. It really, really is. So I would say that from a time trials perspective, I think a lot of those lanes and slots are going to be reserved to division one athletes. So maybe not the D two record will be faster than the division one record per se, but I do believe there'll be a time where the division two athlete beats the reigning NCAA division one athlete. I think that will happen because yeah. I think that as we get closer and closer to the divisions getting less um, divided championship races are going to be a little bit more exposed as really, really savvy, good racers because time trialing is great, but those NCAA champions, I think those are the more permanent things because you can't take away those 
unless you get popped for something, which if you're popped, <laughs> if you're taking drugs at the collegiate system, you should probably just hang them up. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's disgusting at any level, but yeah, it's uh that's a tough argument to, to, to deal with. You know, I mean, I think with titles, when you have the record and you got a title, you were the best at that point in your career. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, that's the way that you were defined in college. Like, you know, in 2018, 2017, 2018, you know, that was your year. And you can always look back at that to be your year. And it's the same right now for me. And it's the same for, Roger Bannister, Stanford, Steve Cram, and all these guys, where it's like, you know, during my time with my resources and my tracks with my shoes, I was the best that ever lived at that point. And that's pretty, that's a pretty cool thing to say, Dave. So, you know, that, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the end of the chapter for the records for the boys. Eh? <laughs> I got one left. You got one left? The, I have the D2 1000 meter record. <laughs> I mean, that is a horrendous record to have. Indoor? Indoor, 221. It's one of those records that get worse the more you say. Well, like I have the D2 indoor 1K record. That's okay. Yeah, you're right. I, all my records have been broken. <laughs> yes. Just pretend you don't have that one. I don't have that. <laughs> what is all it right. anyway? Uh, 221. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> uh, all right, Josh. Well, let's let's kind of segue off the the sadness that is our post um, post lives of collegiate racing. Back let's, in my day. Back in my day, I was the Division Two record holder. <laughs> no, um, but let's let's talk about a little bit more of the present. I mean, we've been bouncing around. Uh, you and I were just a pond away. You know, I was in Ireland proposing to my girlfriend in the most magical, romantic way possible. And for the record, Josh. Yes. It's, I felt a bit slighted and I haven't brought this up to you. I felt a bit slighted when you said that I only did all those things for Olivia to, to post it on Instagram and I did yeah. it for Instagram that yeah. got to me. Not like I, I was, I was thinking about it or I was like fuming, but when you said it in that exact moment, I was like, fuck this guy. <laughs> when, when did I say this? Cause I've said, I feel like I've said this multiple times. Dude. You've said it about 32, 32, too many times. You said it right. nearly every day since I've been back. But the okay. first time I didn't say it, it before, though, right? No, you didn't say it before. And I think that's what bothers me the most is I would have had a little bit more of a defense if I if you said that to me before. But I get home, you say, congratulations. And I go, thanks. And then someone asks, why do you do it in Ireland? And then you go literally <laughs> respond for me. You go, oh, he did it for Instagram. For Instagram, Josh, I deleted my Twitter recently and I lost the passcode. So I don't even know what's going on on social media at this point. So this is, this is, I actually had this conversation with Henry while you're away. So Dave said that he was away for like a week. Dave was away for like two and a bit weeks. We were out there grinding. Like we, we're getting ready for this 5k and we are working right now. Our sessions are nuts and we can't, we seem to not be able to get a damn break. I don't know if Danny's got it out for us or whatever, but I think he's trying to make us run like 1230 or something. Anyway. So Dave's out gallivanting while me and Henry are putting in work and, you know, Willie's not running the 5k. So we did a couple of different sessions. So Dave comes back and I, I text him about it. I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to see the photos. He's like, don't worry. We had a photo shoot afterwards. And I was like, Oh, oh did you? Oh, oh, of course you did. So from there, I thought it'd be pretty funny to, uh, to start saying that he did it for Instagram. But what I will say is I wasn't worried that you weren't going to be in the moment but i felt like there was going to be a point where i was like gonna text you being like 
Dave, just enjoy it kind of thing. And I think you did that so well because I was worried I was going to see like the classic American in, in Ireland where they're like, oh, this is so like, you know, Ireland's my home. You know, this is where my ancestors are from. And then you're like, this is the worst ever. And so you not posting on Instagram and you not like being on social media, not really texting a bunch of us, I think made sure that I knew uh, and that, that you were in the moment. So me saying that was, uh, I was just roasting you because I was very, I missed you a lot, Dave. I'm not going to lie. And so well, this I, is uh, recorded forever now. So. I know. Well, me and Henry were, were grinded and we were so jealous because you were out there having a great time, you know, proposing to to the missus. And, uh, you know, that was all I had to do was take a couple shots. You know, I felt well, like a very angry girlfriend when you came. When you yeah, came a, bit, a bit jealous, it seems. But if it makes you feel better, I'll never have to do that again. So I'm all yours for the rest of our life um, or at least Ooh. while we're friends. Um, Dave, yeah, Dave just thought you'd take a holiday mid-season. I, I practically did. I mean, like, I think I talked a little bit about. No, I don't think I have talked about this. Um, maybe I did. But. Um, I mean, the whole structure of that break was to make the world indoor team. And then right when I got home from that, I would go back out and, and do the whole trip for Olivia and I. So that whole trip was planned out since October um, because I was like, I'm going to make the indoor team and I'm going to plan a vacation around it. And then when I come back, I'll be back in it ready to go. So I had like this weird period where we went to Boston that next week I went down to L.A. And then I took like a week and a half of like moderate running and a little bit of workouts. And then I worked out again the next week. And then I took the down weeks in Ireland and then I came back again, ready to work. And as unstructured as it was, and I'll be honest, I was in the moment. I mean, I had a lot of people in my corner just trying to tell me and reassure me that like, Hey, enjoy this time. Hey, do not worry about this. Hey, do not worry about that. And some of that credit comes to you. A lot of that credit goes to Marta. I mean, Marta literally told me, she's like, David, you are a runner. Do not think about running. Like, be with Olivia, be, enjoy those moments, enjoy the love that you guys have. Like that's going to push you further through this season than if you focus every single day in Ireland, I need to run, I need to run, I need to work out. And, and she was right in that. And like, when I came back, I mean, like it was no pretty tale that second mile. I mean, I got absolutely dusted by you and Henry and I got dropped by about a hundred meters and it, uh, hundred meters in an 800 meter final half, which I'm sure you want to speak on. And it was a bit of a reality check that like, yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed my time in Ireland. I was present. I didn't post. I just did one little cute reel um, with all the photos of Olivia and I's engagement um, and relationship leading up. And that was it. I mean, like it wasn't for anyone else other than Olivia and I. Um, and so when I came back, I mean, I think the first comment I made um, to you after that workout was uh, if I could change that ring for fitness, uh, that'd be great or something like that. Um, because you know, it, it's tough when you, you go on this like dream come true, fairy tale like trip into reality and you get your ass kicked and you realize that your boys have been working. But that's exactly what I needed because since then, the last two weeks have been nearly perfect for fitness. And so now, as we gear up to this May 6th race, you and I will go back and toe the line together. And um, if you want to touch on something there, Josh, you certainly can, but I'll, I'll just kind of leave the last thing at we're currently at 4,800 followers on Instagram. All if right. we can get to 5,000 followers by our 5,000, we'll do another huge good giveaway. Um, whether yeah. that's a $500 in-shop purchase at brooksrunning.com and we just kind of, you know, hang out in a Zoom call and fill out, fill up your cart. I mean, that could be a very good incentive for you guys to kind of get involved with Josh and I coming in at it. Um, so, 
yeah, a lot of good things in the works. If you guys like that idea, just kind of shoot us some messages and, and let us know if you'd like to try to rally your friends to get to 5,000 on, on the Instagram for our 5,000 race. But Josh, go ahead and uh, rebuttal, talk, banter, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Yeah. And in regards to that session, like obviously Dave was away um, for a little bit and then I knew I was fit and we came into this, we had like a key session that was like a day after Dave got back, like, cause he got back and was in Portland for a couple of days. And then we had a session on Tuesday. So he was back on Monday. Yeah. Along those lines. Anyway. So I knew it was a key session and I was annoyed that Dave's had such a good time. And, and to be fair, this is the thing about Dave is Dave gets like, Dave can take time off and not put any weight on and not really get that unfit like it's kind of all he's a complete opposite to me we're very opposites when it comes to like if i went to ireland for two weeks you'd have to roll me onto that track like (laughs) if i like there would be no chance i'd be able to even do the first mile and so i in my head i was like you know he's had a great time that's awesome i'm here to make him suffer like my goal my sole goal for that session was to drop the shit out of you and and make sure that you regretted going away and to kick your ass back in gear and so i i mean i spoke to henry about it i was like i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna push hard like because danny was talking about redline a little bit on that second mile and uh we don't need to go on the specifics of the session but we just we had a fair bit of work and then we had a bit of a um a last mile that was like at race pace slash faster for 5k and um very very windy and dave throughout three quarters of the session looked great and it really pissed me off because i was like if this was me i'd be in a whole heap of trouble because it was a hard session yeah and so i just said to henry you take the first half and i'm gonna i'm gonna push hard for this last 800 and uh henry wasn't fully convinced that that was the right thing to do and then i reconfirmed with danny that he wanted us to push hard so with 800 to go Dave still looked good. And so that really annoyed me. So I dropped like a 28 in that first 200 from, from 800 to a K. And I was like, you better know what's going to happen here. So we closed very hard and uh, dropped Dave by a good amount. And then I felt better about myself that I could put him through a bit of pain just for going out and, and going on holiday. But again, you bounce back so well. Our sessions in Albuquerque thus far have been amazing. And so I think we're, we're pretty excited. I mean, these sessions, I think the biggest thing for me is that they give me such a reality check. You know, when you're on your own, you're doing easy runs, you're doing doubles, you're in the gym, you're doing stuff that's not as hard as like the hard session, the hard specific 5K sessions. It gives you a big reality check. So you can have your headphones on and you can be all motivated and you can pretend that the 5K is not going to be that hard and you're going to smash it out of the park. But then when you come to these sessions that we're doing right now, and it's just like a slap of reality being like, this is going to suck. Like the 5k is such a hard distance. And especially for 15 guys, like it just feels so long. And uh, it's nice having those sessions to bring you back down to earth being like, yeah, you're not going to run 1230. What you're going to do is you're going to struggle super hard and you're going to run as hard as you can. You're going to try and run a PB. That's a big goal is progress every year. So yeah, I'm excited for it. May 6th sign running meet get your uh get your online tickets uh to watch our meet and uh yeah put some money towards that pay-per-view and and that prize money for the athletes and you know maybe the boys will pick up some prize money you never know but that you know the the lineup looks pretty good yeah the lineup does look good and we can talk on on that too and i want to kind of follow up with what you're talking about in terms of the sessions and the difficulty of what we're doing 
Um, do you believe that as we get further and further into the events in terms of distance ran, like 5K, 10K, whatever, do you think that it's it becomes more important to have training partners push you to those limits? Yes, I think the distance stuff I've always found that you need it's it's better to have training partners just because you can push to a different kind of level than you can on on your own. Like if you guys ran those three hundreds at the end of our session last week, you would all run terribly without me. I don't know. You I would agree because you guys were all dragging your asses for a bit and you needed someone to help you out. But in, in another sense, you know, I, I needed, you know, you guys yesterday for the first couple of miles to, you know, to make me feel better so we could push the last. So, and you needed, you needed me for the last mile there too. You told I, me to talk I need you for that last half mile because, you know, I had taken the last four miles into the wind and, you know, that's what you my job is. You I'm didn't a, I'm have a to do. You didn't have to do. First of all, Willie dropped his six, and so you didn't have a partner, and Henry was complaining like he normally does. And so, yes, I did have to. The last you're, you're one not, I didn't have to take, but I felt good up until that point. Um, yeah. But then we were just grinding. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and when we look at this field, um, we're going to talk about this field, and I kind of want to backtrack a little bit and talk about some of the cool things Josh is cooking up um, in his life. Um, Lamar's pregnant. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke, Jill. <laughs> um, and. Uh, so when you look at this field, this is actually the first time, if you want us to talk about like constructor cup rivalries, Josh, this is the first time that you and I have faced up against Drew Hunter and Sam Parsons. So I don't know if we need to get some like media into this. I don't know if we need to get some like average time or score it like a cross country meet, but if we really want to try to get some rivalry going, I mean, this is a big conversation right now in the sport of like when athletes dodge each other, when there's a relay event happening at Penn. And then all of a sudden these guys say, we want to get the same um, four by mile record at Oregon. Like this is, this is the time to almost hype up head to heads. And like, if that can alleviate, um, some of the worries of the fans of like, Oh yeah, these guys are going after they want to beat each other. Then like, I'm okay. Putting ourselves out there. I don't want to feel that pressure of having to beat them, but if there's something on the line, yeah, let's add a little bit to it. There's already so much on the line, you know, not to, not to like overthink or get in my head or whatever, but like, Shit, if, if, if a fan's rooting for team team beast or team sit and kick opposed to team 10, right? Like you and I against Sam and Drew, that, that's going to be super fun for fans to watch and get engaged with. I mean, I'll be looking at that headband and that poor mustache of Drew Hunter and just thinking like, all right, got to beat this guy. And, you know, Sam Parsons will be throwing up the, the X factor, whatever you want to call it with his arms before the race. And I'll just be chuckling next to him like, all right, buddy, like better buckle down. Like this is the first time we've gone at him, Josh, you're, you're kind of laughing, um, but uh Let's talk about you, unless you want to talk about that. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I think I'm 0-1 in Parsons. I got beat. I beat. Oh, sorry, I got beaten by him last year, and boy, did he take advantage of that photo. So <laughs> you know, I'll take I'll take some time to uh, to to you know talk about racing him again. And that's the thing with the 5K is, I think it's such an interesting event for that because you just got to be so on. And I think the better man wins, uh, unlike in the 15 sometimes uh you know when it comes to maybe slow and tactical races the 5k is not really like that as much so yeah i would i would love to you know create some hype around this race and, and get as many people watching as possible those sign running meets are amazing jesse puts on some fantastic meets and again the more people watching the more money into the athletes pockets and that's always positive uh you know that means the sponsors will go up and and hopefully we can grow this sport that way and you know i i, I love drew and, and and sam i think i think they're great personalities in the sport uh, i spent a little bit of time with them um 
diamondly races and mill roads and stuff like that so uh if we want to we want to create a little bit of rivalry put something on the line then i'm sure they'd be up for it but uh yeah i think uh i think tin man are putting three in i think we're putting three in so yeah it could be it could be a bit of fun and i think we're losing on pbs dave right we are now. losing on pbs Quite which hard. is all the more reason for us to kind of get after it and go for them i mean like head to head um i think that we have a really good shot against them i mean both those guys have run good 3ks you've ran a good 15 i've ran decent 5ks i don't know I, and i think i have a faster pb than sam in the 15 it it might be might be pretty good um but i'm gonna run through this list of names for you guys um is this is this been announced yet we like to say it has been announced yeah because okay. it's on the sound running uh all right okay website. i thought it was texted to you by howie what's up i thought howie texted you uh he did but he texted me through the the link of the yeah, oac okay. men's 5,000 meters oh jesus is sponsored by on it is why are we doing it I don't know. You know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait. Maybe I'll do a little release of this once I get some more confirmation on who's in it. But I'll tell you that Sam and Drew are in it. You've got um, good rivals of Josh, uh, good rivals of me, D2 boys, D1 boys. It'll, it'll be a really good showdown. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting race. And as Josh says, let's throw some more rivalries. I'll text Sam or Drew and just see if they want to hop on board. And I'm going to let you guys know right now, if we don't have anything going on in terms of that rivalry between the four of us, it's because of them. The invitations out there. It's open. As Oregon said, we've reached out to many professional and collegiate teams with no answer. That's what, what we're doing there. I, I don't know. I mean, Oregon can only expect no answer when there's pen relays happening across the country. Of course, no one's going to answer the call. Well, I mean, everyone's already tied up in the better the thing relay that gets across me, the country. I the thing that gets me is, you know, I, I don't know enough about this story. I heard, I read the, we're going after the four by mile world record. And I was like, you know, nothing about world records then, or else the beast would have an actual good four by mile indoor world record. But you can't have internationals on your team. If you are trying to get the American world record. Um, so I know that on and Oregon can't do that, or I guess it's not even Oregon. It's like post Oregon. Oregon, post-Oregon athletes were always going to run at Oregon. So I actually think on are in the wrong, no? That's a hot take. I mean, why would, why would ex-Oregon athletes on the same weekend as Oregon relays go and run Penn? I don't think they would. So, and I, and I so, think that's a so fair what, point. What's, what's on's deal then? Why are they like talking, talking crap about so it? I think... Huh, this, this could probably start some great inner inner web conversations of fans and people that like banter. But I think on's biggest thing with this whole situation is they're going to the on relays, like on sponsored pen relays. And where's that's been on getting all this money from, eh? Where's on getting dude, Roger, Roger Federer, man. <laughs> Royer. Yeah, dude's a dude's a legend. Um, there there's a Roger Federer ones, and then the next shoe coming out, the Ollie Hoare ones. <laughs> and I um, which one's gonna sell more. Probably the Ollie Hoare ones after he beat you at Milrose. Um, but when we're talking about this Penn Relays, I think the thing is, is like that was announced and that was hyped up to this magnitude of like, we're going after the four by mile world record. But again, it has to be a world best because for you guys to know, in order for it to be categorized as a world record, every person on the relay team has to be from the same nationality. That's who's that's who's who's on's team. I don't, I don't know who's on's team is, but when Josh make mention of the beasts having the four by mile world record, we have it with, it was me, Isaac Yorks, um, Henry Wynn and Brandon Kidder, four Americans, 1602 in the indoor. That should be way faster. It's not, but we have that. 
because we're four Americans. We could have substituted in Josh for, I don't know, somebody else other than me, and we would have ran faster. But we couldn't put Josh on that team because that would have made it a world best opposed to a world record. So when you look at these graphics now coming out, they're saying world best, saying the fastest time ever ran by four men in a relay. It's a world best, but it's not a world record. Who's on Oregon's team? Who's Oregon's team? James West, Matt Weisner, um, Cooper Tier, and Cole Hawker. And so I think, Josh, I think the biggest reason that on is making a big deal of this is because the spotlight was on them, no pun intended, in pen relays. And all of a sudden, Oregon comes out with this half or a collegiate and international team at a lower end meet, lower budgeted meet. And it's like, yo, by the way, we're also going to do this. They're doing that tonight. So they would they could potentially set the record first. And then next weekend, On has to come out and try to beat the world best time of the athletes that run tonight. It's going to be a week old record, potentially. And, and I think that's actually – what's up? And the record is what? So I think the record overall is like 15 – or sorry, uh, f- yeah, yeah, 1548 or – it's it's pretty wicked fast. It, it's an Irish team. Ray Flynn's actually on it. So it's yeah. an old record. Um, it's either in the low 50s or high 40s. Um, they all Nike athletes? I don't, I honestly don't know fully um, because it happened so long ago. I mean, Ray Flynn. No, it was in Oregon's athletes. Oh, Oregon. It's um, Nike, Nike, James West, and Collegiate. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard record to get. And I think, you know, again, hyping up races are great. You know, getting some beef between a couple of different teams is great. But yeah, I just, I, I, I think Owen has, has a point. Like Penn realizes is a much superior me. And if you're going to, if you guys are going to battle, you guys will run faster if you go and run at the same meet, like instead of pretty much soloing. Yeah. Probably the second and third leg or the rest of the legs other than the first one. So, yeah, I can see where Owen are coming from, but I can also see where Oregon's coming from. Why would they go to a different meet? You know, if, you know, if we had a meet in um, Washington sponsored by Brooks versus going to, you know, Hayward Field sponsored by Nike, like we're going to stay with our own beat. And, you know, if on are sponsoring one and, and Nike are sponsoring the other one, you stick with your brand. So I'm on the fence with it. I think I think, uh, I think both it, of them have kind of their their points. I agree. And if you think about like just preparation for the World Indoor, or sorry, the World Outdoor Championships USA is like, if you're from Oregon and you're hosting all these major championship meets, why not fully get accustomed to that facility? I mean, obviously they already are, yeah. but the more reps you can put on that, the more at home you're going to feel, the less amped up you're going to be. Like I went to Oregon Relays last year, got absolutely obliterated, but the one specific focus was everything outside the race of just like, Go through the call room, go through the warm up, go through all these routines. So by the time I got to the trials, I was ready to do it. Um, I want to add a little bit off Cooper Tier, who posted on, I think, Strava. He said, tune up. And then it says, back to some racing slash pacing this weekend, 5K Friday, four by mile Saturday. And then he says, y'all got to get over the bad for the sport stuff and run fast yourself if you want to make it better. <laughs> so is he call- who's he calling out there? I don't know who specifically he's What's calling the out. bad for the sport, Pesh? So I think, I think honestly, some of this stems from the Coffee Club pod where they always talk about hashtag good for the sport, good for the sport, right. good for the sport. So I think that the counter and obviously the opposite of good for the sport is bad for the sport. And so I think that Cooper is saying bad for the sport um, slash good for the sport. I think he's mostly, mostly mentioning just 
the people that constantly talk about what is good and what is bad for the sport. You know, you talk about when Colin Cooper went down to Stanford and ran the 5K World Standards the same weekend of World Indoors. Just totally said, all right, what? (laughs) That was a bit weird. That was a bit weird. And they got the standard. It was super low key. It was under the radar. I was still fit in racing then. And we were literally looking for a race to do. Now, would I have done that one? I don't know if I knew it was on the table, like maybe I could have ran at least a PR, get a little bit more comfortable with the 5k. I've only ran two of them, but it's just like, is that good for the sport? Is that bad for the sport? Time trialing opposed to going to a world indoor championships. I don't know. Again, run faster. And then you have an opinion. I guess that's what the rule is, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the rule. It's also not good or bad for the sport. It's about your own kind of country and what it makes for your own career. Like if, if that's the goal for their careers to go out and run the standard early so they can, they can have a bit more time on their hands to come towards trials. And that's, you know, that's better for their own career. You can't define the sport by individuals who haven't meddled um, choosing to run the standard. I don't think, I don't think so, but point. you know, it, if Cole went to world indoors, do I think he would have meddled probably, uh, which would have been a good for USATF, not for the whole fucking sport. Yeah. Um, and so I can see why Americans would be annoyed at that. Like, Hey, we want to send our best team and our best guy who won the double at USA's is now running a pishy meet to get the 5k standard. But again, from, I can't really talk. I didn't do world indoors. I didn't want to, um, because I don't define world indoors as a major medal. So maybe that's a similar situation with Cole Hawker. Like he's like, you know what? I'm doubling down. I'm going for world, uh, world outdoors. It's, it's going to, it's going to be my home track. Uh, in my in kind of my home adopted home city and uh, with with my fans and so i can't fault them for for doing that let's, uh, let's, you know, let's talk have, about your experience with london you were a uk athlete at the london championships how was that i wasn't ready for it man i wasn't ready for it and i i remember standing on that start line and my name being called and no one knowing who the hell I was and everyone going crazy anyway. Exactly. Um, because I mean, our the British crowd is one of the most knowledgeable crowds in, in the world for, for track and field. Seems and, biased, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. No, it's, it's really not like they keep very up to date with um, drug scandals and athletes and like, so they know who to boo and they know who to cheer. And I think it's, it's very, <laughs> uh, it's very fun that way. And we're very, opinionated when it comes to athletes um so that's always really fun and and uh yeah i would never change that experience but it's something i look back on and and uh, i feel like i took for granted because it was my first major like world world championships 2017 i was you know 18 19 years old and and uh, it was my first kind of real go at it and it didn't go to plan but you know, I'll take that and uh, I put that in the old bank of experience and yeah. we've got a home Commonwealth Games this year. So I can't really exactly. complain. And, and I bring that up specifically because that's exactly the scenario that Cole and Cooper are going to be in. And hopefully I'll be in of being on a start line at a major championship, world championship in a home state, like born and raised in Oregon for myself. Cole and, and Cooper have done everything at Oregon. They're, they're literally, I think they are the most dynamic duo of that track and field program ever. I'll say it. I think they're the best duo covering every single distance. So for them to be on the start line at a major championship, I don't think that you can actually judge their actions because they're putting all their cards and all their chips into the outdoor Eugene 2022 world championships. Yeah. And I I mean, I think there's too much judging in this damn sport. Like this is an individual sport. If you want to make a decision to get your first major medal outdoors, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. don't, don't start making these fucking assumptions that, Oh, you need to do this or you need to do that. You don't need to do anything. Yeah. We're not a team sport. Like you go and do whatever you think defines your career the way you want it. So I don't think that these guys or anyone should be listening to the opinions of people who have never had a medal in their life. So, so you're, you're, you're speaking on um, exactly what Cole's saying, or sorry, exactly what Cooper's saying when he says run faster, if you want to have an opinion on what's bad for the sport. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and it happens to me all the time as well. It's like, oh, Josh isn't doing this or like he doesn't race enough or, you know, he got really unfit again or he's doing this. Like, who cares? Like, genuinely, I have a definition in my head of what a successful career looks like. And that's different to every single other athlete in the world. And everyone's totally different. Like one person might think that world indoor medal is the be all end all. That's the thing that they're looking forward to do. And if they do that, they can hang out the spikes. Someone wants to break four uh, in the mile and then they can hang out the spikes. It, it just, there's just so many different definitions. And if someone from your country says, look, Josh, we need you to go after um, as many world indoor medals as we can, because I think we can be number one on the table this year let's go after it. And then I say no, and I don't have a good excuse why, then you can judge me. But unless you're put into that situation, you can't judge it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just comprehending. Um, I think you're dead on. Um, and, and I just want to let you know that I live, I think the word is vicariously through you and your medal. So my opinion matters because <laughs> you have a medal and our podcast has a medal. So like, I'm practically a British record holder myself. So when you guys uh, listen to my opinion, I am speaking from the level of a podium. That's, that's a fact, <laughs> not fiction. So um, let's kind of talk about some of the things that you've cooked up though in the last little bit, Josh, we don't have to talk about your home or how many rooms or how big it is, how small it is, how, how much of a shoebox it is. But let's talk about why you were in the UK when I was in Ireland, what's going on there. It seems a little bit, uh, Seems a little bit cool, man. You you rarely take opportunities for yourself to enjoy. And I know you hashtag secure the bag, um, as everyone likes to call it. Um, but but what kind of incentivizes you to work with sponsors and work with um, the structure of a season around some of these external opportunities that get presented to you as an Olympic bronze medalist? That's the thing is like you get presented a lot of these things and it's that kind of what's the pros and cons how much is this going to take away from what i do versus what it's going to give me and and um i've had to turn down a lot of stuff and and this opportunity came up with uh the company long jeans that um is a swiss watch company uh and an amazing company actually and i've been dealing with them for a little bit now and they just said look you know we're a big sponsor commonwealth games we would love to um put together a deal and, and bring you out as well to to Birmingham where the Commonwealth Games is going to be and we're going to do kind of get ready for putting together an advert for for the Commonwealth Games for this watch this new watch we're bringing out and uh you know they they offered they, they put an offer on the table that I couldn't turn down I phoned Danny and I said look this is this is you know this is money that moves the needle a little bit so we're going to have to commit to this and you know again it weighs up the options of you know, if this goes badly, is it worth it? And uh, the answer was yes. So it was it was like, you know, let's get the flights in, in a good spot. Let's get some higher class flights and make the travel as easy as possible and try and get in and out without any problems. And we were able to do that. And 
And I, I, I loved it. I think it was great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the end product is. And, and uh, I've got to do some, some posts in forum. So that'll be coming up soon too. Are you modeling? Do you have model photos? I do. Yeah. So that's for Instagram, right? So I went to Ireland for Instagram and you went to the UK for a watch company, Instagram. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that the ring and the watch are similar in price. So we could just do a full on swap. Don't tell Olivia, <laughs> give me the watch. I'll give you the ring. Um, that's a lie. I know for damn sure my ring is at least 30 times more expensive than your little Casio. So oh, yeah. I think what's great too about that, Josh, and, and I don't want to toot your horn because you get your horn tooted a lot, which sounds too, super dirty, um, but you're, you you get your horn tooted. Um, so I'm going to toot your horn in that. I'm going to say, keep saying toot horn um, in that <laughs> toot horn. Um, you got this opportunity presented to you but you've also turned down, like we're saying, a lot of opportunities to get to this point. You didn't take the first thing that was presented and say, yes, that, yep, that's it. You're very logical and strategic in the things that you accept and don't accept. I mean, when you speak about these races, this is the first time you've ran Birmingham Diamond League. Why is that? Why, why is this the first time you've come out here? And if you want to talk about that, you can. If not, you don't have to. But like, I'm speaking more so on the preparations and the strategic decision made for your season opposed to anything else that might influence that decision. Yeah, I wasn't planning on running Birmingham Diamond League. Well, it wasn't that I wasn't planning on it. It just wasn't like I hadn't sat down and thought about it. And, you know, I, I got an offer on the table and I was just like looking at it. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, these these offers are, you know, going up a lot since obviously last year and um coming into uh, a british you know diamond league you're gonna you're gonna get paid more than you would uh, elsewhere so you know i i looked at the deal i spoke to ray i spoke to danny and we were like well maybe we hold off a little bit and then you know the deal increased and and then we were like you know what this is again money we can't turn down and we can figure out how to do this properly and i can go out and race some of the british guys and show them who the big man is uh, a month before the trials and let them know that they've got a bit of work to do before, before they try and take me on at trials. And yeah, it ended up being uh, a great opportunity and I can't wait to run in front of a British crowd. I just, the travel is difficult because it's, it's not something I can do all the time. And, you know, I've, I've gone over a couple of times already this year, going over for Birmingham Diamond League, going over for British champs, going over for Commonwealth games, you know, going over for some Diamond League stuff afterwards. It's a lot of travel and, you got to try and minimize that as much as possible. And you've got to try and figure out how to, how to navigate that properly. And so that's why I've mostly spent time over here in the States, but now I've graduated that kind of U S 1500 meter scene. Um, I don't feel like I'm really gaining much from that anymore. Uh, and, and I need to kind of go elsewhere, which takes a bit more time, a bit more effort, a bit more money. But you know, that seems to be something that Brooks wants to, um, is backing up and, and saying whatever you need from us, like we'll be there. I just um, really hurt my hand there. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you snapped a rubber band. I did. Um, <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> and, and sometimes you just, that's what happens. You, you're, you're, you're pulling on that rubber band a little bit too tight and it snaps. And that's what we need to be aware of all the time. It's oh like my God. The man of those... metaphors, man <laughs> those... of metaphors. You know, you're hiding how much you only have a certain bandwidth and, and sometimes it's, um stretch a little bit too thin and sometimes it snaps but i have enough people around me to to know that that's not going to happen without um some some warnings beforehand <laughs> did you not have a warning right there when you're stretching that rubber band uh i should have done but i didn't have my my team and people around me that tell me when <laughs> here, when here he is folks badly. we've uh 
we've been pissing about talking about good things, bad things, and all everything in between. Um, so we're gonna just gonna kind of segue out into some of the fan submitted questions. A lot of them have actually been covered, so this might be a very short and sweet segment. And we apologize too for the lack of original structure that we normally have for this podcast. Normally we have a game, normally we have the banter bowl, but really this was just about us putting us putting ourselves back on the mic, putting ourselves back in your ears, listening to what we have to say, and kind of just shooting the shit and talking about where we are in our life and apologize to absolutely fucking nobody you know why we've been gone for eight weeks that's what conor mcgregor said when he won the double belt and uh you know i met his mom didn't meet him in ireland but it was a a good laugh of a time um so back to this um some of the questions that you guys sent over were these i'll just go ahead and read one off um who's winning the 5k i for the life of me want dave to win but it's just not gonna happen but Again, I'm there as a useful key to unlock Dave's success where, you know, I am a consistent and reliable runner who Dave can key off pretty easily. And so we're going to be working together. Henry's going to be in there. We're going to be working away. We're all pretty similar fitness wise. I would say right now I would have the edge on a couple of sessions. But again, we have a little bit of time before before the 5K comes up and, and Dave's kind of making his way back into some pretty elite fitness we've done some great sessions so obviously everyone's going to say themselves um but i think if we work together properly uh we should be we should be finishing pretty close together yeah i would agree with that and i would say that as time continues to get closer to this race the margin between us is going to get slimmer and just for transparency if you guys look at my previous races the 5k that i did my first 5k at the sound running meet for some goddamn reason, I was off the pacers and I had Mohamed behind me and I just did all the work till 3K and got absolutely blasted when the race really started. You go to Portland Track Festival, I went out into dead last and then reconnected to the main group and battled down with Lopez Lamong um, to the finish line, finishing second. This go around is going to be a combination of the two. But for my race plan, I mean, my goal and, and Josh's goal and him and I communicate very heavily on this is he's reliable. He's a good pacer. He's a good person to cue off, like he says. My goal is to stare at the back of his neck for as long as I can. And if I'm hanging on for dear life, I'm hanging on for dear life. If I, if I find a second win and a surge to get around him and go for the win, I'm going to do that. But I think that if you guys watch this 5k, hopefully what you're going to see is team tactics at play of Josh and I working together to both lower our times. Josh doesn't need the 5k to, for worlds. Josh, Josh isn't going to do the 5k at worlds, but he needs a good 5k to run a good 15 at this point in his career and everyone's career. So when we're looking at this event, it's very important for the two of us. I'm going after the world standard of 1313. There's no doubt about it. I, I want to get this world standard. I want to put myself in a position where I can just get to the USA championships and focus on a tactical race, something that's a little bit more speed oriented, something that I think I have a little bit more of an advantage on the rest of the field. So when we're thinking about this 5k, I want you guys to be able to watch this with hope and support that Josh and I are working together. And when you see a move made, or when you see a time um, click away through 3k or through the 5k, like be excited and celebrate it. I want, I want this race to be exciting to watch because 5Ks can be boring. But if you guys are watching this race on May 6th, which again, buy your pre, uh, pay-per-view tickets. If you guys are watching this race, you got to root for us. We're going to be working together. And as individualized as the sport is, as we talked about, this is a rare opportunity for us to be together. And if I beat Josh, so be it. You'll hear about it on the next episode. If Josh beats me, he's not allowed to talk about it for the rest of his career. But this is only... Um, the last time Josh and I raced each other was that 5k back a year ago. So this is going to be another great showdown opportunity, whatever you want to say for us to kind of showcase where we've been. So I'm excited. 
we 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 just forgetting about Boston. Oh, we raced each other, Boston. We didn't race. We were time. You were time trialing. You're on your. You're in your own league I there. Trialing. I was racing. I meant to be at Spokane, so I wasn't even there. <laughs> Fair enough. Wasn't this is the first? This is the first race that we've raced that we were supposed to be racing together. Uh, okay. Yeah, but and worlds. I guess I missed that one or the Olympics. So let's uh, <laughs> read the next damn question, boy. All right, next question. Um, a lot of these are talking about beef and Christian Noble. Um, so collab with Coffee Club. Do you think that's ever going to happen? I would do. I mean, like I like the structure that they have of them all being in the same room, just you know, shooting the shit. It's just like listening to a conversation that they would normally have. Like, I'm sure they don't massively think about the structure of their episodes, and they're just like, let's talk about these topics. And they're it's easier to bounce off when there's three or four of them, um, you know, they can really spin some good conversation up. So I haven't listened to a ton, but from what I have listened to, I think it's great content. I think what they do is they cut that line of like a scared athlete worried about their sponsor getting pissed off at them with having these crazy opinions. And um, I think they cut through that pretty easily with all the Shelby stuff they talk about and stuff that maybe sometimes we stay away from because, you know, we know who who listens to our podcast, and we know that we, as a company, Brooks doesn't really want to ruffle a bunch of feathers. So, and um, we we have to walk a little bit of a line uh, here that we have decided on our own, not being told that. But, um, but I think they that's what makes their content quite interesting to to listen to. Is you never really know what they're going to bring up, and and uh, so I would do it. I think I think they have great content. Yeah, no, that would be fun. They're good boys. I like Morgan, Jordy, Ollie seems to be okay too. Um, so we should have a good time. Uh, definitely bring some banter into that. Um, I'd like to kind of bring in a PR that's a little bit more competitive so I can kind of throw some shade, um, because, you know, accolade is directly, um, related to relevance. So I'd like to kind of bring that in. So let's not do it until I run at least one world standard to my name. Um, so there's the timeline on that. Um, and then every other question submitted you guys is all about D2 or David go bald again. So maybe I'm going to have to get a haircut. Yeah, I don't think you need to go bald again, mate. I, I mean, I'm not going to put anything on the line for this 5K because I don't want to put any more pressure on you than it needs to be. But uh, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. If if these conversations are a little bit little bit more casual, then we can do them a bit more often. I think we have a good idea what we're going to do for the next, next one. I think it should be a bit of fun, maybe a bit more of a coffee club kind of uh, structure to it. But, you know, I think we find joy in this and when we find the time for it, we go out and, and we try and smash it and give you guys some content. And I'm sure we'll be able to make some YouTube videos from this as well. So hopefully you guys liked my editing skills last time and uh, maybe they're get elevated every time. And that's what we'll, we'll try and give you is, uh, is better content each time it comes out. Yeah. And, and it's kind of add on that too. Like we originally structured to record this on Wednesday, but something Josh and I've never wanted to do with our podcast is to do it half-assed. And if we're going to give you an episode for the sake of an episode, that's not what we're about. We're about making sure that we do it at the right time when our life and our structure is balanced and that we can give you content that you deserve. We're not going to just throw out an episode that we believe is going to be bad for the sake of views, for the sake of attention. It's like we want to be able to give you content that you can listen to and enjoy and just kind of be a part of. Um, we're not a half-assed podcast. Um, it might seem irregular for our structure, um, but there, there's reason and purpose behind it. So here we are, eight weeks since our last recording. Josh was the, the newly minted 348 British record holder, European record holder. And now we are removed from that and we're engaged homeowners, not Josh and I, we are not engaged to each other, but we are both engaged. 
um, separately, separately, but we're both very much in love, not with each other. <laughs> All right. So hopefully we get another episode out before Sunrise meet. We'll maybe do a little bit of fun things for people who are buying pay-per-views because of this uh, podcast. And so, you know, keep an eye on that and maybe it'll be a short episode. So next time, and maybe you can get your yourself into into some fun things with, with, with that. So content coming and racing coming. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, just keep on sitting and kicking. Bye. With Josh Kerr. All right, here David Rivage. Josh Kerr. David Rivage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest C2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivage.